Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for a look back on today's match. This is the full-time report with the voices of our Atlanta United, Mike Conti and Jason Longshore. Today's game is brought to you by Equifax. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. The Home Depot, with more ways to help you take on your home projects delivered right to your door. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Dunkin' Donuts, conquer the season with Dunkin's new Atlanta United Donuts. Piedmont Healthcare and Ford. The home for MLS in Atlanta. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Here's the voice of our Atlanta United and Jason Longshore. Well, we got a lot of things to sort out here on the full-time report. We had a full-fledged five-stripes-after-dark situation tonight here in Montreal, a game that ends in a 2-2 draw. Atlanta United was down 2-0 with less than a half hour of regular time to play and came back and got a point. That's only the third time they've done that, by the way, in club history, and the first time since 2018. I am really shocked to see how negatively received that stat has been on Twitter. Really, really surprised. Atlanta United made self-inflicted errors that led to the two Montreal goals. But I I, want to be really clear just right from the start. When you play 11v10 or 10v9, that does not automatically mean you should win the match. And we've seen that happen against Atlanta United. New York Red Bulls, 10v11, beat them in 2019 at Red Bull Arena. Atlanta United, 10v11, won in Costa Rica against Alavalenzi, 1-0, in the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. In fact, Atlanta United has not conceded a goal after having a player sent off in any of the four situations where that has happened this year. So I I just – and – Tell me if I'm all wrong here. I just I think that's really important. Um, yeah, Atlanta United probably should have gotten three points out of this match tonight. I don't think they're they're overly thrilled that they took a draw, but I don't think it's a horrible result either, considering the circumstances. Yeah, it's a frustrating result, which Atlanta's had a lot of here lately, and this is just a different kind of frustration. I felt like three points were on the table 
just like I felt like three points were on the table in Orlando. And tonight was a better performance. Tonight was a much better performance. You get the advantage, and you're right. That doesn't automatically mean you are going to win that game when you have a, a 10v9 or an 11v10. Atlanta didn't handle the advantage as well as I thought they could have. Um, Rob Valentino will speak to the media. I don't think we're going to get to hear any of it uh, until later on. I'm really curious about the no substitution after Joseph was sent off. He tried it. I I could tell what he was going for with Moreno and Barco up high in very free rolls, and both were very dangerous throughout the match. As the night went on, they got better and better, causing Montreal problems. But it was still service coming in from the flanks and there wasn't really anybody to win it it didn't change up enough and look it's it's hard enough you do train a little bit 11 v 10 you really don't train much 10 v 9 and that situation and it just felt like Atlanta couldn't wrap their head around it while Montreal actually did and became more of a defend deep and counter team and their counters were very effective and very dangerous all right, the man of the match brought to you by Heineken, the highest-rated player on SofaScore, the player that led Atlanta United in key passes tonight with four, and the Atlanta United player that assisted on Joseph Martinez's goal that gave Atlanta United a lifeline tonight was Ezekiel Barco. Barco was all over the field tonight. He was 5-5 five of five on the dribble. He was 81% passing. You mentioned four chances created, three out of four good crosses, three out of three on longer passes, eight out of 11 on his ground duels was fouled three times, had an interception defensively. He was very, very good and at times was creating something out of nothing because he was getting the ball in some tight spots and keeping it moving. There really weren't any glaring errors. He had an opportunity late that he was looking to load up a shot, the shot that we've seen him score on multiple times, that curler with the right foot, and Montreal took that away from him. That's the only thing that I'll put – on the con side of Barco tonight is he wasn't able to get a good scoring opportunity for himself. He created a number for others, and he worked extremely hard. I thought Ezekiel Barco back in the team tonight helped unlock a lot of things for Atlanta. Yeah, and considering what he's been through over the last uh, week, really, uh, you know, getting knocked out of the Olympics disappointingly for Argentina, flying all the way back to the United States, getting here in time to make the flight up to Montreal and putting in a full shift tonight. Uh, I think that's very, very laudable for Ezekiel Barco. So that is the man of the match brought to you by Heineken. The statistical recap brought to you by Piedmont, an official, or excuse, yes, by Piedmont, official health care partner of Atlanta United. The shots were 14 to 11 Atlanta. The shots on target, 4 uh, 3 Montreal. So two of Atlanta's three shots on target went in. Two of Montreal's four shots on target went in. Possession was 56-44 Atlanta. That did tilt heavily in the second half after Atlanta United gained the man advantage. Uh, The fouls were eight, or a bigger part, and nine for Montreal, eight for Atlanta. The fouls conceded. Both teams took five corners. Atlanta won 53% of the duels, passed at 88%. And as I said, the corners were 5-5. So, uh... Remember, at halftime, the shots were 6-4 Montreal, and each team only had one shot on target. So it just goes to show how much everything escalated here in the second half. So let's get to the highlights now. And all of this went down in the second half, if you can believe that, if you're just joining us. First of all, against the run of play, 
in my opinion, and again, I'll stand by this, I thought Joseph Martinez made a major miscue uh, making, at, at the very least, an incorrect play on a goal kick by Brad Guzan that falls to Kamal Miller and triggers this goal in the 53rd minute to give Montreal the 1-0 lead. Off the free kick, Guzan sends it up to the halfway line. Kamal Miller just steps right in front of Joseph Martinez. Sends it down the middle to Torres. Into the box, Mason Toy dribbling in, shot score. And Montreal has opened the scoring in the 53rd minute. A goal that really started developing in the midfield, you must say. I'll stand by what I said. I mean, Joseph has to at least try to make a play on the ball there. Yeah, he's got to help bail out Gazan. Gazan's trying to play it to Joseph. He, he misses him, but there's no step to Miller as he's driving forward, and that's where everything started to break down as others had to step. It opened up space. Montreal played it brilliantly, but it, it's too easy to come through the middle of the park with three passes and get that opportunity. So Atlanta United went down 1-0, and then we fear that Montreal may have hit the knockout punch eight minutes later. They uh, play a corner kick quickly. Atlanta United was not organized for it, and Rudy Camacho had an easy goal to make it 2-0. Montreal setting up for their third corner of the match and their first this half. Already leading 1-0 in the 63rd minute. Attack the goal to our right. Quick corner. Oh, and wide open at the back post is Camacho to slam dunk it. Total breakdown, Atlanta United. Absolute breakdown. No one marked Camacho, and it's 2-0. What happened there? The, the speed at which Mihailovic took the corner, obviously, was a factor in that, to be fair. It was. Um, I would love to go back and look at how Atlanta was defending previous corners because there had been a few. Because And the question came up, and there's a lot of blame towards George Bellow for that because he was the closest one to it. George Bellow typically is not marking opposing center backs on set pieces. Uh, I can't remember a time that I've seen that. So, yes, Bellow's the closest one there, but he's not typically doing that job. So where did it break down? Is it just because it was taken quickly? Did somebody else not get to Camacho? We'll have to go back and look at that one a little more closely because I'm not sure how the breakdown happens, but you normally don't want Bello, who's not good in the air. Right. You don't want Bello marking Camacho in that situation anyway. Okay, and then things turned rapidly. Now remember, there is after the goal, Montreal was allowed to run into their technical area, hug each other, tie their shoes, get water. I don't think that was well-received either. No, because Joseph took the kickoff, and then Gantar, the referee, made him take it again. Well, that might have actually helped Atlanta United because just moments after that, they were able to get right back into the match. Atlanta United off the kickoff, which is knocked down by Torres, pinballs to Bello. Atlanta United has no one but themselves to blame for the two goals they've conceded here this half. Here's Barco racing down the middle. Big speed for Barco. Into the attacking third to Joseph. Top of the 18. Joseph shot. Score! Atlanta United comes right back one minute later, and Joseph Martinez has given Atlanta United the lifeline. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Joseph was... Joseph gets angry sometimes. Yeah, well, it might have had something to do with something that happens later. We haven't yeah, got to we'll, it yet. We'll get to that. But he was fired up. And, and look, I thought it was incredibly disrespectful for Montreal. Uh, Samuel Piet was tying his shoe in front of the technical area. Everybody grabbed water. Gantar was very slow to try to break it up. 
you don't get to just do whatever you want after you score a goal. And Montreal pushed the boundaries of respectful play and a respectful situation there, and Atlanta punished them for it. They got angry, and they went down and scored a goal. All right, now things get totally wild, and this is the hot play of the match brought to you by Scana. And I believe we are going to hear everything starting from the penalty by Rudy Camacho and ending with Marcelino Moreno converting the penalty to equalize at two. A wild sequence. Here it is. At the kickoff spot, driving forward, taking a bump, staying on the ball. 3v2 Moreno to Joseph in the box. Joseph pushed down to the box. The shot goes wide. Is it a penalty? Yes! Penalty! Penalty! Joseph will go to the spot with a chance to tie the game. Red card as well. He's been sent off. Check is complete. It is a penalty, and Moreno will take it as Atlanta United attacks the goal to our left. Pantamis 0 for 1 on penalties this year. This to even the game in the 76th minute. Atlanta United was down 2-0, now with a chance to equalize and play 11 v 10. Moreno with hands on hips, looking for his fifth goal of the year. Ganter blows the whistle. Marcelino up to it, strikes it. Score! 2-2, the score! Atlanta United has come all the way back from trailing by two goals, and they're going to play 11-10 v the rest of the way. For over 20 years, Scan Energy has made it easy for Georgians to receive the best natural gas rates and excellent customer service. Call 877-467-2262 today. Do you support the red card, by the way, and all that? <laughs> oh, man. This, this is really complicated because we can get into letter of the law. We can get into game management because I think both come into play. And then we can get into what should happen next. Um, one thing, and, and we, we mentioned it during the broadcast, and if you're with us now and you didn't hear it, we didn't have a monitor in the booth tonight. Uh, we had TSN in our booth, which was showing Toronto and Philadelphia, which really wasn't helping. We that did was a terrible game, yeah, too. it was. Jeez. We did discover, though, that, um, as Mike mentioned, the Montreal players who did not dress were sitting right in front of us. and It's not really a box, but it's an open set of a couple of rows. They were sitting right in front of us, and off to the right, if I craned my neck around, I could see a monitor that they had in their little area. So I found that during that crazy sequence, but I didn't get a great look at it because it's obviously, obviously kind of far away from me. I've seen it now. Um, here's what I think happened in the scenario. Referee's not 100% sure, and he gives yellow cards to both, which was the right decision. I, I said it live. I felt like it needed to be the same both ways yellow for both or even red for both because I remember saying that specifically when it happened because we couldn't tell what happened from our distance. Watching it back, Joseph Martinez steps to Wanyama. There's obviously words. Wanyama was trying to provoke him. There's no way around that. This is before he put his hand to his neck. Joseph steps to Wanyama not that strongly, but he steps to him and he's leading with his head. Wanyama reacts and puts his hand to Joseph's neck. That's obviously escalating. The, what Joseph did initially would not have gotten anything, in my opinion. Maybe a yellow. Okay. Wanyama reacts with a red card offense with a hand to the neck. Now, that's by the letter of the law. Joseph responds by stepping more aggressively, leading with his head towards Wanyama. L let me interrupt you. For, okay. Do, do we want to hear the mass confrontation first and, and then maybe break it down? Do you think maybe... 
Well, I don't know if that would help or not. Yeah, but, I I, but now that I've interrupted you, let's do it anyway, shall okay, we? Dylan, go ahead and play it. Uh, had they play now to Mihailovic, and he's dispossessed by Franco. Back the other way, Atlanta United. Bounce to center circle, Joseph. Cut off to the right. Here's Barco, 3v3 developing. Barco racing down the center of the park, into the attacking third. Ahead to Jurgen down, far corner. Cross, Joseph over his head. It rolls though to Hosatu. Shot! Oh, and it was blocked at the edge of the six, and falling over it is Pantanes. It deflected off of Struna. There's a call for a now handball. Now we got an issue in the goal yeah, now. Joseph Martinez is shoving. A couple players are shoving each other in the goal now. Play is stopped. We have a mass confrontation now at the near post. Players tumbling into the net. Atlanta's outfield subs have come into the net. They're trying to pull Atlanta players out of it. Joseph was driving forward. Kamal Miller was blocking him from getting back on the field. This is a mass confrontation that could go to VAR for possible send-offs. I don't know how on earth you could make that judgment. Oh, wait, wait, he's, it, he's nullifying the yellow. Yeah, because that's not a good reds. thing. So Joseph is sent off, and Wanyama is sent off. Both of them made contact to each other's heads. That's fine. So now we have 10v9. It's fine, except that Joseph will be suspended for Saturday's match. Yeah, Columbus. It, it's Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, this game's so crazy. There's so many different incidents that are getting mixed up in my head as we're going back through it. Hold uh, on, can I interrupt again? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm very sorry. Gee, you're not going to go to dinner for me to, with me tomorrow after all the interruptions. <laughs> but we do need to pause 10 seconds for Steve. Do that. So I don't want to get us fined by the FCC. Don't do that. Let's do that, and then we'll, we'll take plenty of time to analyze this mass confrontation because we know you're asking about it. So here's the station ID. We are your official station for all things Atlanta United. WZGC Atlanta, WZGC HD1, an Odyssey station. Okay, I'll, I'll go back as the, the VAR for a second and, and fix the first part. I think the red to Camacho was a pretty easy call because it's, it's, a, it's a contact up high on, on the back of Joseph. He's not playing the ball. That's a red. That's dog. So, okay, that one was, was clean and easy. The mass confrontation one is chaotic because there's so many elements to it. Um, it's You have to really try to balance this from the mind of a referee who doesn't want to see a game that's already 11v10 devolve into even more chaos. You, you're trying to manage it. I think the two yellows initially totally get it, understand it. That gives you wiggle room. That allows the VAR to look at it. Okay, fine. As we were talking about, as we've looked back at it, there is an, a step, and I think it's aggressive, the second time from Joseph Martinez after the hand to the neck. The hand in the neck came after Joseph had initially come together with Wanyama. Wanyama was trying to provoke him. Joseph stepped to him. I don't think there's anything in it to that point that would go past two yellows. The hand of the neck's a red card offense. The reaction from Joseph is maybe not a red card offense, but he does step to him aggressively, leading with his head. I don't think the red was for Joseph slapping the arms away and a push which was high on the chest. That would feel extremely harsh. If the red is for the stepping aggressively leading with the head, I still think it's harsh. But it's going to be very hard to overturn because there's justification there. I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter as we're all kind of talking through it. And it's a very weird situation that we don't see very often. I actually, from a game management perspective, think that Gantar could have left it where it was with yellows both ways and went on with it. 
the harder justification in that scenario is letting Wanyama not get red carded because of the hand of the neck. The way it was handled with the VAR coming in and recommending at least take a look at it, which would mean he's taking a look at potential reds on both, then it becomes harder to justify the red to Joseph Martinez. Harder to justify and not being justifiable are two different things in my book. The Wanyama one is really more difficult to justify if you leave it at a yellow. But from a game management perspective, I thought, and that's why I was reacting the way that I did, you had to give them the same thing both ways. Because I don't think at 11v9, this would have gotten out of here not safely, but it would have gotten even more chaotic and out of hand. Yeah. It could have got really nasty. I think you had to go the same both ways, even though the situations are not exactly the same. You can justify reds to both. I think it'd be harder to justify yellows to both, but from a game management perspective, that's the way I would have went. Yeah, I think, you know, the the precedent is pretty cut and dry that contact to the head or neck area is going to be a red card. I don't want to sound like I'm disregarding that part of it, However, I do feel like the referee and the VAR should be able to apply a little bit of common sense judgment to it. That's why I think overarching to all of this, I thought Joseph and Wanyama should have gotten the same sanction. Yeah. Okay? And I think you agree I, with that. I keep, yeah, they, I said they, that they initially. should have gotten the same sanction. They were equally uh, involved in that contest. That was why I said good live because he went to Joseph first with the red and if he had went to Joseph with a red and nothing to Wanyama I would have said more things and, and, and <laughs> we might have got the FCC upset in a right. different way right but but bottom line I, I think my take on it Jason is I agree that it should have been the same sanction I think if common sense was applied a yellow yellow could have been an acceptable outcome I, we've seen matching reds before. Like at the end of the Club America leg in Orlando mm-hmm. back in December where Moreno got a red in, in a red red. It, that should have been a double red situation. Mm-hmm. That was not. It was also at the end of a match, and, you know, it had no uh, impact on the outcome. Yeah. I, I, am, I am okay with Wanyama and Joseph getting the same sanction. I wish it would have been yellow-yellow. But I understand that contact to the head and neck is going to be a red, and I understand why it was adjudicated in that way. Yeah, I think the the red to Joseph is harder to justify. Um, I don't know, and people have asked about the pool reporters. Um, we had problems enough earlier today getting the Internet to be strong enough to uh, do stoppage time. Well, but, so but, we're, we don't have no it, control over the it, pool reporters. Sorry to interrupt here. again. I, I don't know what the referee would tell the pool reporter. He I, mean, would, I, I would like to know because if he went specific – was it for the first incident of stepping and making contact leading with the head before Wanyama put the hand to the neck? Was it for it after, or was it for the push? Right. I, yeah, I would like to know that that's because they're different in, in my mind. They're all different kind of scenarios. It, it, this is a really tricky one, and I would love to hear, and I really hope that they do, pro-discuss this. Well, because it, it, there's a lot of elements to it that I think would be very educational. When I think of game management, and, and I use that term very specifically here, 
I think of uh, a story that was given at a course that Mark Geiger was either teaching or, or guesting in. And he talked about how the, the rule book, if you take the book, you can bend it. Like the, the rules in it are there. The laws of the game are the laws of the game. But the book itself, you can bend it. It's malleable. And you have to do that sometimes. And in some games, some red cards are not called the same way in other games. That happens. This was one where I think you could have gotten out of there because of the way it all played out, yellow, yellow. And I don't think there'd be as much talk about it now. Yeah. There would be, there would be hard feelings about the hand to the face from Onyama. I don't think there'd be hard feelings the other way. I'd rather make that mistake than double red in that situation if I'm the referee. And, it's tough. And, and to your point, the disciplinary committee could clean that up too. I mean, they're, they're going to review it. I mean, there's no doubt. It's a mass confrontation that's going to be reviewed. Uh, I am a little concerned. I understand why it happened, but the involvement of Atlanta United's uh, outfield subs there get, getting into that is going to lead, I would think, to some kind of penalty. I, 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 it'll be a, a fine, fine. A fine or a warning. Yeah, a fine or, or probably both. Yeah. Um, I, but I understand why that happened. And yeah. I, I think they, from my perspective, I think they were coming in to be peacemakers. They were. One more thought on all this, and you're right. I really do hope this is on Inside Video Review. I'd, I'd love the explanation. Pro is really, really transparent. Anything that gets sent down, almost anything that gets sent down to the monitor uh, is eventually broken down on their YouTube page, explained by Greg Barkey, who's the supervisor of video review. They really do a very good job, to pro's credit. They do a very, very good job explaining the mechanics all of it, explaining what went into their decision. It would be very helpful, I think, to all of us to at least hear the chatter between Jeff Campbell, the AVAR, the center ref, all of that. One final point. If I'm Atlanta United, I'm not appealing the red card. I know a lot of people have brought that up. You're only going to win an appeal if there has been a very obvious error in the application of the law. Think about uh, Jake Mulraney's red card being overturned on appeal because he got It wasn't ball. dog so because Sosa was there too. It, it wasn't dog so, nor was it maybe even a foul, but that's right. beside the point. It certainly wasn't dog so. Uh, that was a very obvious error in the application of the rule. I, I, I don't know how you're going to get that overturned. I don't think there's a high enough chance for you to use an appeal. Remember, you, uh, you only get two misses on appeals, and you're done for the year. I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's worth And quite honestly, I'll look at it another way, too. Joseph's emptied the tank the last couple nights. Joseph might need a night off anyway. Uh, I think the suspension of Wanyama and Struna for uh, this weekend hurts Montreal much worse in their match at D.C. than losing Joseph is going to hurt Atlanta United at Columbus, in my opinion. The argument on on the appeal that some are making is a good one. Um, It's not usually a public process. And so I, I get the idea behind it of, making a statement, making an appeal, because it's a harsh red. I feel like it's a harsh red. Um, I don't know if that justification of making the statement, standing up for your player in that scenario, if that's worth risking one of your appeals. Now, you are halfway through the season. You would still have another appeal. I hope you won't need another appeal. That would be the third of the season after the Mulraney one, but who knows the way things have gone. Um, 
it, it's a tough situation all the way around. Um, we don't normally see things like this on a regular basis, so I, I think we all tend to overreact to, to the situation. I would have definitely, if I was the referee crew, oh, sorry, the one more thing that I wanted to touch on on the appeal that I think makes it harder, and I think where you're coming from, is because it was VAR that recommended the red. In a sense, it was reviewed at the time by the officials here, and they decided red. It sets a higher bar for an appeal to be overturned because it was already reviewed here. They would have to prove a lot of people messed up, which some can argue that they did. I think they have enough justification for the red to stand. The question is, do you want to make the public statement of the appeal to back up your player for morale purposes? And if you want to go that way, if it does affect the morale, and and we don't have as good of a sense of that as Rob Valentino and his staff would, if the coaching staff feels like, hey, this is going to be good for the team to do that, even if it is a little bit of a show, do it. Do it. Yeah, it's, I don't think it gets overturned, though. No, but that, I mean, that is an interesting point, and that, that is a reason to consider doing it. Uh, okay, we're going to move past all that. We're going to take your questions and comments when we come back. Uh, it, we're talking about it a lot because, look, what, what that was was a very rare incident in an MLS match a designated player for each team uh, getting into an altercation that resulted in both the designated players being sent off and triggering a mass confrontation and forcing the match to end 10v9, which, by the way, that has never happened in Atlanta United history either. That's why we've spent a lot of time on it, but the result is a 2-2 draw. We're going to take your questions and comments after this at Mike Conti 929 and at Longshoe. More of the full-time report coming up in a moment on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Back with more full-time report on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. All right, back to take your questions and comments after a very eventful 2-2 draw between Atlanta United and Club de Foot Montreal tonight. Again, if you're just joining us, Atlanta United was down 2-0 in the 63rd minute after uh, really committing two pretty bad mistakes to uh, lead to Montreal goals, but Atlanta United responded. They got a player sent off to draw a penalty, converted by Marcelina Marina to make it 2-2. Then there was a mass confrontation with Joseph Martinez and Victor Wanyama, the uh, main combatants. Both of them were sent off. Match ended 10-9. v It ended 2-2. Let's take your questions. And Well, first of all, let me tell you that for every Atlanta United clean sheet this season, they'll donate $2,000 to Children's Health Care of Atlanta. This year's donation total is currently $6,000. Okay, uh, let's get to your questions and comments on Twitter. Uh, at Mike Conti 929 and at Longshoe, if uh, you want to send them in. Uh, Ricky Ricardo says, this game is pure chaos. I, ho- I hate that we will not have Joseph against Columbus. Should have been more of a push for the win being up a man. I've seen a couple people say that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think they didn't push for the win. I, I think people are probably questioning why substitutes weren't used in, in the push to the win which I, I thought was going to happen, to be honest. I, I thought maybe that would be a time for Conway to be that focal point because Atlanta did open things up on the flanks and put in some dangerous crosses. There just wasn't a, a forward there to get on the end of them, and they didn't really adapt until the very end with that cross cut back to Sosa with an opportunity at the top of the 18 to w- the way the team was playing. That was the the biggest surprising element to me. I don't think they settled for the draw, but I don't think they really knew exactly how to push for the win at yeah. that point. And I thought Montreal was was very threatening 9v10. Zachary Brodeguiard almost scored twice. Uh, it reminds me a little, and I'll go back to something I said at the beginning of the full-time report. I, I think soccer fans have this assumption that when you're up 11v10, 10v9, should be an automatic win when you're playing up a man. It doesn't always happen that way. Mm-mm. I remember Philadelphia back in 2018 had Alejandro Bedoya, Harris Maduni then sent off in the first 10 minutes. They were down 9v11, and they were the better team 9v11. Atlanta won the match, but that didn't mean that Philadelphia wasn't the better team. Uh, Atlanta United played 11v10 against San Jose in 2019 for a very, very long portion of that match and had to scratch and claw to get an Emerson Heinemann game winner in the 90th minute. It is not that easy playing up a man to just snap your fingers and automatically win a match. Uh, Mike Bell 
wants to know, was Bello supposed to mark, I'm assuming he means Rudy Camacho on the corner, or was it just a miscommunication? Yeah, something fell apart there. Uh, Bello does not typically mark any of the opposing center backs that, that would be a target on these situations. George Bello's not strong in the air, so he shouldn't have been marking Rudy Camacho if that's where the assignment was. I'm wondering what the assignment was supposed to be because I don't think it was Bello on Camacho. Bello was the closest one to him, though, and at the point where it all breaks down, Bello has to react faster than he did. The corner being taken quickly is, is what created that confusion, but Bello in the plan should not have been marking Camacho, but the way things happened, he should have been closer to him and tried to do a better job, but he didn't react quick enough. Jonathan Williams asks, why don't we turn the ball and push forward more often? It seems like we are very hesitant to do so. Uh, you know, some of this is down to getting the spacing in the attack correct, and it is a different idea now than it was under Gabriel Heinze where it was all about width and, and total five channels going forward vertically. Now it's a little bit different, and, and I think you're trying to find that in-between um, there's not a lot of options going forward a lot of times. And that's something that, you know, Joseph's positioning is a big part of, at times, opening things up when he drops into the midfield. But at times when he drops into the midfield and then either the, the run is mistimed, he gets forward before the ball's going to be served, or his run is late before the ball, and he's not there when the ball's ready to be served, there's not – really a point to just drive through the middle because there's nobody there and you're running against two center backs or, or three center backs or what have you. The timing of everything is what I keep coming back to, and it's been that way from day one. It feels like the runs are not being timed to arrive when the ball is being played, and that has to improve. Will Hardy says, Jurgen Dom is frustrating. He vacillates between making good things happen to re making really questionable choices. He, he does. Um, he creates opportunities, and, and he did again tonight. But he also had some very wayward balls, and he had some very bad plays as well. He went for a volley out of the air, which would have been great, but he had time to settle that and bring it down and keep the play alive. Um, he could have earned a penalty, and, and maybe he should have gone down inside the 18 because he, he did his patented chop move where he cut back on the defender and then got into the 18 and drew contact. But he didn't go down, and he put in a good ball to the near post, cutting it back to the top of the six. It was pinball action there for a minute. I think Pantamus made a, a good save initially, and then it was chaos. That was a great moment from Jurgen Dom. But then there were some moments where you didn't get what you needed out of him. Uh, I know you answered Will Sikor on Twitter, but just to ask his question over the air, he wanted to know what was the difference between the handball at the start of the Joseph Wanyama sequence and the LGP handball in Chicago in 2019. LGP was sent off for that. Yeah. It was uh, a dog so penalty. It's they're they're different from what I remember of it because then right after that is where everything kicked up and it got totally crazy and we're we're watching hands to the face and and leading with the head and all those kinds of situations. Um, it's different in that LGP slid in. And it was before the handball rule changed in MLS, if you remember that. Oh, night. yeah. yeah the, there was a lot of confusion about there that. There was confusion, and uh, there was a lot of confusion from people that, that should have known better at that moment. And we talked about it, that 
MLS was still using the old rules where if your hand was down as you slid, it didn't matter at that time if, it, if it's a hand, it's, it's a handball. Now that's changed. This wasn't that because I don't think Struna was, was sliding. I thought he was kind of ducking and turning, and I didn't get a good look to see if his arm was away from his body because the only angle I saw was from the other side, so I couldn't see the positioning of his arm if he tried to make it bigger to block that shot. But there was an immediate reaction from, I believe it was Moreno in that situation, on the shot saying that it was a handball, and then the incident with Joseph and and Wanyama took place. Okay, uh, Columbus lost to D.C. tonight 4-2. Didn't see that coming. No. Uh, that's Atlanta United's next opponent. They they played Hurtado up top tonight. Jossie's artist was in the team but not starting. I have to think Jossie's uh, artist would be starting for them on Saturday, one week off the Gold Cup. Yeah, played a lot of minutes in the Gold Cup, played a lot of minutes in the final. Uh, I think Miles Robinson and Jossie's artist will be back in the starting lineups on Saturday. All right, that's our next broadcast. It comes her way Saturday, 7 o'clock, the pre-match show, 7.30, the kickoff from the new Lower.com field in Columbus as Atlanta United begins the second half of the season on the road against Columbus Crew. Producer tonight, Dylan Matthews. For Jason Longshore, I'm Mike Conti. Once again, Atlanta United and Montreal play to a 2-2 draw. We'll see you Saturday night on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. You've been listening to MLS action of our Atlanta United. Tune in for complete match day coverage all season long. The home for our Atlanta United is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.